0: Learning to love the right things, next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As a Christian, you've been birthed into a community. This isn't a solo flight, a Lone Ranger gig. In that sense, then, we are called to love one another. And here, in Hebrews chapter 13, this admonition rings out loud and clear, loving the right things. Hi there, and welcome to Truth For Today, our weekend edition, featuring our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Join us here in Hebrews 13, verses one through six, as we learn to love the right things. Here's Pastor Phil.
1: Let's take 50 A.D. for the book of Hebrews. Are you aware of what was going on in Rome in 50 A.D.? Are you aware what the culture was like? Well, let me tell you a few things. Uh, Caligula will come to power in that era. Caligula eventually marries his sister, runs around the Senate naked, has orgies all the time, That so many of the emperors of Rome were uh, oftentimes uh, in alternate lifestyles. Sex parties, drunkenness. This was the government. Imagine we had a sitting at the uh, House of Representatives. What if it was a love-in? What if our president married uh, his own brother or his own sister? This is what was going on in Rome. Greece... Greece, uh, where the sexual mores of the day were this. Sex is a, uh, just a a physical appetite to be satisfied whenever, with whoever, without any moral boundaries. It's just a physical impulse. Uh, I read the quote from a pornographic magazine that I did not own, but in my research, uh, It said, uh, this is what one writer said, sex is a function of the body, a drive which man shares with animals, like eating, drinking, and sleeping. It's a physical demand that must be satisfied. If you don't satisfy it, you will have all sorts of neurosis and repressive psychosis which are two psychological terms that you're messed up. Sex is here to stay. Let's forget the prudery that makes us hide from it. Throw away those inhibitions. Find a girl who's like-minded and let yourself go. And so he addresses these believers, besides loving people, love purity. And he talks about two things. It's interesting. Honor marriage, and he uses a euphemism, the marriage bed, which was sexual expression in the marriage. Honor that. Esteem it. Put it in the right place. Prohibits any sexuality outside of the marriage bed. Which is interesting. What's going on in our culture? Fewer and fewer people are getting married. Don't have to. I'll just live with them. I don't want to get married. That means you've got to split up the property if we break up. I just want access to sex. And I don't promise you anything, baby. Don't get sick on me because I'm out of here. I make no covenants. I make no promises. It's live together for convenience. I don't want I don't believe in marriage. And as that value goes down and depreciates, guess what goes up? Every kind of sexuality you can imagine. Rape is really in, even at Stanford. And now we have a Jewish lawyer taking up this case. Imagine this. Imagine this today in our papers. This is the case. Should the penalty for raping her when she's unconscious be as much as if she's conscious? This is being dated right now. The lawyer's Rosen. The crime ought to be the same if she's asleep because of too much booze and we knocked her out. Raping her then, ah, that's one penalty. Matter of fact, not as great, but if she is awake, you know, uh, maybe a little bit more, a little bit more or less. You mean we're actually down to this? What kind of matter of fact, six months is all a guy deserves for forcing himself on a girl while she's unconscious, and we think we're spending time in court trying to figure out what we ought to penalize the guy. Rape is abounding on campuses. Where you're getting your PhD and just hope your daughter's not raped while she's getting the degree. These are the sophisticated minds. Frat parties all the time. Uh, Co-ed dorms where you just sleep with your girlfriend. Now, our bathrooms, you know, come on, you gotta get broad-minded. You can't, can't be having this gender stuff. Get rid of that. I just heard a celebration. That they've now got a unisex uh, laboratory, or or rather bathroom, at the White House. Uh, Just hearing uh, a gay lesbian being interviewed for Pride Week. And this is a big breakthrough. So what's going on? Will sex ever stop? No. It's rampant. It's out of control. It's on fire. You're never going to stop people from being immoral. Never. Never. The only thing that can do that is Christ. And people, and you're never going to, this code right here is uh, my, if this was being heard online and broadcasted, we'd have pickets out front. All we're saying the biblical view is sex is within the boundaries of a God-ordained marriage. All other expressions are forbidden. There's three reasons God gave us sex biblically. Number one, Steve and Steve have never had a baby. They just haven't pulled that off yet. Two Steves, you know, Molly and me, and a baby makes three. But you better have Molly. And you better be a man. God said the race is to be propagated and kept going by means of procreation and the sex act. So that was strongly given to us in Genesis. When you read Proverbs 5 and Song of Solomon, you find out that God who created sexuality intended it to be pleasurable and one of the great uh, privileges of life in marriage. And God says, that's all right. It's blessed, it's enjoyed, enjoy it. It's all right to smile as a Christian in the midst of sex because God's favor is on that. He said it's honorable, it, it, it's healthy, It's good. But then he also gave sex in marriage to prevent immoral behavior. And most of the early church all came out of immoral lifestyle. Because when you reach the Gentiles, they were all immoral. They all had no boundaries. Only the Jews had been taught any boundaries. The Gentiles had none. So he's just addressing that and here's the issue. I'd say two things, two M's could mark and give me an insight on your philosophy, and I can tell you if you were a Christian or not. Here they are. What you think about morals and what you think about money. Those two things will reveal to me if you're a Christian. Morals and money. Besides, whether you love the brethren or not. But let's just step over here. What's your view on morals? Well, I believe you can do anything. doesn't matter. Oh, you got a good pagan view. Yeah, that's the view of America. Everybody's doing it. Help yourself. Right? Who do you know that's not doing it? That's outside of Christ. Or thinks it's okay. Just use birth control. Don't get caught. Okay. That is the view This is the view we're raising our children, our grandchildren, and by which we miraculously, by the grace of God, still exist in the Bay Area to still be proclaiming a divine viewpoint. God says, it's wrong. Don't do it. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to judge you. And I'll have the final say. He who does these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Revelation 21.8, and all liars will have their part in the lake of fire and all of the sexually immoral. It's just sex. I know it. It's just God. That's what he said. God will judge all immoral behavior, everything outside of the marriage bond. He said, I will see to it that it's judged. Don't do it. Flee it. Get away from it. Don't sleep with it. Don't endorse it. Don't buy it philosophically, mentally. Teach what the Bible says. says, It's impossible to live that way. It is. You have to have divine help. But you first of all got to agree with God. Do you agree with his view? And then he says, my son and my spirit are the power, are the power to live this kind of life. Christianity is not difficult, it's impossible. You can only live like a Christian if you know Christ. So today, what would I say to you? you say, well, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend. Well, uh, hey, I hope you're having a good time as you go to hell. But we've got a cure. Would you like to go to heaven and enjoy sex? Man, tell me more. You receive Jesus Christ. And you get married to that girlfriend. And treat her right. And if children come, honor her. Treat the marriage with honor. You have to ask yourself, do you think marriage is honorable? Is it a good thing to be married? We ought to advertise it. We ought to advertise it. Is it better than a mistress? Are you praying about it? See, in Rome... In the Greek culture, you had one woman that you called wife because you didn't want your children to be called bastards. She was for the birth and the name. This is the family name is tied up with this woman. But over here, I have mistresses that don't get inheritance and my children aren't named. They're for pleasure alone. Very, this is what Greek culture was all about. It's what the Romans did. So today, what is it? You go to a movie to see what sex could be like outside of marriage because it's always more exciting. No obligation. They're always beautiful. And guess what? After the bill's paid, you're home and free. No more obligations. Then you go home, and there's a wife. And just think if you gave her seven kids. B.B. King's got a song, I Got the Blues. I gave you seven children and you want to give them back. How blue can you get? (laughs) And wonder why there's not a glitter in her eye. It's you. She knows her only birth control is to stay away from you. And this is what many of our parents grew up. They knew nothing about that but the burden of a Family. And then to be the sex queen while I'm staying up all night with a sick baby, changing the diapers, seeing them through sickness, and then Playboy says, You need a playmate. No, I need a faithful, godly wife that helps me raise the offspring we have. And I ought to honor her. She doesn't have to look like a playmate of the month. I used to wonder how my dad could love my mother. She lost her figure. Lost her beauty. Seven children later. A nervous breakdown later. It was not till I got saved that my mother became beautiful. Because I got a different set of lenses to interpret her value. Well, he finally says, uh, we ought to love the promises of God more than money. And he says something here in the midst. These, these uh, exhortations are just, they don't even seem to cohere. I had a struggle. Do this when talk about marriage. Now we go to money, uh, love people. Now, now he just steps up here. He says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Well, that's not too hard when you're broke. But can you love money while you're broke? And these believers had suffered many things. And he says, "Be content or satisfied with what you have." Let me ask you this: Is that the American way of life? I mean, is advertisements to keep you content, or to create another desire? You deserve this. You need another car. You need another house. Always, it's keeping us dissatisfied, and it's just a way of life. By people are just always discontent. Uh, can't get enough. And the Ecclesiastes says, he who loves money can never get enough money. It just just never ends. But he says, you ought to keep your life free from the love of money. And that's the problem. Uh, It's not money. It's like sex is not the problem. It's where it is expressed. Is it in marriage or in immorality? Money's not the problem. It's our attitude about it. If you love it, and the Pharisees loved it, false teachers love it. He said of church leadership, this is something to keep in mind. First Timothy said, when you look for a church, church leader, look for a man that does not love money. Why? He'll probably be overseeing church money. So he better not be a money grabber. And uh, believe me, many of the preachers I grew up with, there was little money in their lives for them to love. But I've even seen a broke man that can love it, having it on his mind all the time. Do we all need money? Well, there's a few more of you felt that. Come on, take it out. You better believe you need money. There's no advantages to being broke. When you read Proverbs, God is close to a poor man, but he never endorses poverty is the way to live. It just says God won't give up on a poor man. The poor man has hardly no advantages. He can't get health care. Can't get his teeth fixed. Cannot educate his children. Cannot. There's no advantages to being broke and being poor. We all need money. And in church what's rough is all the philosophies we have about money. You know why many of you don't give? You're a slave to covetousness. You keep yourself so in debt you can never afford to honor God. It's credit card debt. Credit card debt. I've got to have this. i got to have that. I and he says to these believers, find your contentment in God. And he makes this marvelous statement. He says, God has said, never will I leave you Never will I forsake you. Now, by the way, this is the very same Greek word used of Christ on the cross. My God, my God, why did you forsake me? The very same word. God the Son was forsaken that he might make you a promise you'll never be forsaken. Now, think of that. Will I ever be forsaken are left alone by God. Death, divorce, sickness, cancer. When does God bail out? Never. What effect should this have on me? Here's what he says. So then I can say, the Lord is my helper. Omnipotence is my helper. Omniscience is my helper. The eternal God is my helper. If that is true, and he says it is, going from Psalms 118, going back to Joshua 1. Don't be afraid, Joshua. Don't be afraid. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Go in the land. Don't be afraid. Be of good courage. I am with you, and I will not leave you. Go, Joshua. You need courage. The giants are big. The land is dangerous. I will be with you. Can you make it if God will be with you? If God is for you, ask yourself, is God for me? If you're God's child and you're wanting to just walk in his paths, he's not for you in sin. He'll be there, but he's not for you. But he's the one that will get you out. He never abandons his own. I found a song, a man we used to have come to this church named Gabe Sedillo, used to sing it. This was his song. Sweet as a promise, I will not forget thee. Nothing can molest or turn my soul away. Even though the night be dark within the valley, just beyond is shining one eternal day. And I can hear this resonant. Resonating baritone voice, "I will not forget thee or leave thee. In my hands I'll hold thee. In my arms I'll fold thee. I will not forget or leave thee. I am thy redeemer. I will care for thee. Money will run out. Sex. Will end even in this life. Friends will die. The body will cave in. But this God will never cease to be with us. Even in the valley of the shadow. Even in your last moments. As we attended the funeral of Carolyn's cousin, died 52, buried him last Thursday diagnosed with cancer in January, dies the 1st of June. To watch his wife and children and the remarkable courage they displayed, somebody has to be with that wife to be this strong, this courageous, and to make it through the veil of tears. I will not leave nor forsake thee. Let me ask you, Who do you have that will be with you forever? Let me read to you from Psalms and then conclude. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Psalms 118, verse 6. The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look on triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And in the Greek language here, he said, ume, ude, ume, five negatives. I will not, no, I will not ever leave thee nor forsake thee. It's only found in how firm a foundation. I will not, I will not, I will not leave nor forsake thee. He's telling these believers, no matter what persecutions come, no matter what your state, whether you lose your job, Lose your health, lose your money, lose your vitality. One thing I must say, the one thing I don't want to lose in all of life is my God. And my God says, you've got me forever. You've got me forever. Everything else will go away. Friends, health, family. I don't like getting older because I don't like burying people that i know i don't like having dear women in this church that had to say goodbye to husbands it's no fun getting older if you don't have any hope that anybody's with you that will never leave you nor forsake you only in jesus christ in christianity can you get such a friend to the end love people love purity Love the promises of God. If you know this promise, you can say, God is my helper. I can do whatever he wants me to do. Not because I'm strong, but because his help is secure.
0: And that brings us to the end of our time today here on Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Closing out our program, I'd like to leave you with our contact information, especially in light of the fact that this is a listener supported ministry and as you contact us, not only with prayer support but financial support as well, we're able to continue the ministry not just on Sundays, but Monday through Friday as well here on KFAX. Please prayerfully consider that as you contact us today with your gift. 855 855- is our phone number. Again, that's 855-833-9864. Or write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And another way to contact us, probably the easiest, is through our website, valleybible.org. It's there that you can even take advantage of our secure online donations. You can also take advantage of the many resource materials we have available for your growth and walk in Christ. Again, valleybible.org. It's there that we also have a bit more information about who we are and what we believe, and directions if you would like to join us for worship. Service times are at 9 and 11 this morning, and we'd love to see you face-to-face. And don't forget, as you partner with us financially and become a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a -a once-a-year special gift, along with access to Take a Break, which is the weekly devotional video by Pastor Phil. Find out more at valleybible.org or call 855 833 9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard.